Thank you so much for listening and subscribing to the Billings Adventist Church podcast. This is where you will find previous sermons from the pulpit of the Billings Seventh Adventist Church in Billings, Montana. I'm Pastor Stephen Carlisle, and I just want to say welcome home. I am so glad that you've landed here. And if you're new to our church, or even if you're from around the world, I invite you to head over to BillingsAdventist.org, hit the contact us, and let us know that you've been listening. Again, so glad that you've joined us. Now let's go ahead and listen to this episode's sermon. I'm sure I've shared with you many times before that uh, Michelle and I first got to know each other at summer camp uh, back when we were just kids. And when I got into ministry, I was at camp meeting and she had come to camp meeting uh, just for the weekend. And reminded her of all the good times that we had when we were at camp. I told her, so we hadn't talked in two, three, four years, something like that. I was just telling her, I said, you know, you just come, just, she's getting ready to go off to college, and I said, you have one more week of just having a good time. You just stay, we'll go to the lake, and we'll go do these fun things together. And, you know, I was really trying to tell her and show her that, that, you know, she could have just a, a really relaxing time and a time that, that uh, she just didn't have to worry about anything. She had no idea that I was secretly plotting that one day she'd be my wife. <laughs> she had no idea. Maybe she had an idea. I don't know. But, you know, there was an ulterior motive of me wanting her to stay throughout that week. She was planning to just be there for the day and she was going to go. But I knew that if I was ever going to have a shot, if I was ever going to have an opportunity to see if this was going to go anywhere, I'd have to convince her to stay. So I used all these other things to try to convince her, but deep down inside, I just wanted her to stay because I liked her. I don't care who you are, where are you from, what you've done, We have either done the right thing for the wrong reasons, we have done things with an ulterior motive behind it, or we've been taken advantage of by someone who had ulterior motives. Either way, it doesn't really feel good to be taken advantage of, does it? It doesn't feel good to know that someone was saying one thing when actually they were trying to get something else. I used to have an elder, or he wasn't an elder. He was an elder and he was not an elder. He was an elder. He kind of went back and forth a little bit. But I could always tell when he wanted to do something, when he wanted to do something. You know why? Because he was nice to me. (laughs) You know, it's kind of like a sibling, right? When they just come to you and they're so nice to you, you say, what do you want? There's just this, you can see through that uh, a lot of times. And so... Today we're going to talk a little bit about motives, purpose, why we do what we do, and what Jesus has to say about it. I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5 as we continue in this series on the Sermon on the Mount, as specifically we've been looking at the Beatitudes. 
Last week, we took a look at being merciful, focusing and pondering and thinking and praying and studying how God has been merciful to each one of us. When we see just how good God has been, it leads us to be merciful to other people. So we look at Matthew chapter 5. Let's, we're going to go through these this morning again and allow Jesus to speak to us fresh and new. Father in heaven, as we open up your word here today, we ask for your Holy Spirit to fill us, to open our hearts and our minds and our eyes to what it is that you have in store for us. Lord, I pray for a voice, but not my voice, yours. And that you would anoint my lips and my mind, that the words that I speak are simply from you, so that we would know what your will is for our life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain and he sat down. His disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Purity was a big deal to God's people, especially in that time, in that culture. Purity was one of those things that they had created rituals and ceremonies and various things to make sure that they remained clean because it was such an important part of the worship process. You see, you, if you were unclean or defiled or whatever the case, and there was all these different things, not only that were listed in the Torah, but it was also some new things that had been added to, to those to pr- kind of protect themselves from even violating what Moses had written. And so in that, they, they, they knew that if they didn't abide by those things, they couldn't go to the temple. And if you couldn't go to the temple, well, then that was like a slap in the face. And now you've got to think about it. There's, there's people that were God's people that, that did everything they could to go out of their way to remain undefiled, and then there were those people that they just automatically labeled as you're always defiled. So then there was this group of people that were never allowed to go to the temple, and they had even gotten to the point to say, if you even hang out with those defiled people, you can't go to the temple. So it was this, it was a really big thing, this idea of being common or unclean or defiled. It was more than just having leprosy. It was more than just having, you know, a, a, a disease of some sort that was transferable. It was based on your profession, what you did, how you acted, all these things. It was all about your behaviors and and those types of things. And then, of course, there were the actual laws of Moses that were put in play as well. They took purity and being undefiled very, very seriously. And they were not, this, the, the idea that Jesus is talking about being pure would not have surprised them. Now, the whole pure in heart thing is something different, but just the idea of being pure, yeah, of course, we're supposed to be pure. We're supposed to wash our hands before we eat, not to get rid of germs so that we are ceremonially clean. We have to go through these traditions and these rituals over and over again. In fact, in Psalm chapter 24, you'll find that this is 
kind of the psalm that this beatitude is, is based on a bit. Psalm 24, verses three through six. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully? He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of God of Jacob, Selah. So I imagine that there could have been, and I'm not 100% on this, but there could have been this idea of let's focus in on this clean hands thing and let's really go in on that. Because that's something we can control, right? That's something that it's external people can see. In fact, the better you behaved or the more things that people saw, the more righteous you were. And nothing has changed. It really hasn't. We do everything in our power to make it look like we got our life together, that we got our act together. We could be totally broken and hurting and we will sit there in church with a smile on our face and when someone says happy Sabbath, we say it right back. We don't know how to be open and honest and genuine with those things because we're afraid of how we're going to be treated or what someone's gonna, they're gonna give us some unsolicited advice, they're gonna tell us what we're doing wrong, whatever the case is. And so we do everything we can to make it look like we're good. You're taught this from a very young age, you know? Well, how many times do you remember your mom saying, that's not how we behave here, right? Not under my house, right? We don't do that here. We don't do that there. And so we have learned what behaviors are acceptable in certain places. And in that, we're not any different than what was happening in the days of Jesus. We, we do things sometimes for the wrong motives. We may be doing the good things, the right things, helping other people, giving, being generous, all those things, and we could be doing it for the wrong reasons. We could be doing it out of guilt. We could be doing it because this is just what I'm supposed to do. We could be doing it because I'm hoping that if I give to someone, that maybe someday somebody will give back to me. I'm hoping to get something back in return. If I give my tithe, then, then maybe God will give me a little something back in return of some sort. We're, we're always looking at another angle, another way. Are we nice and kind and loving because we really truly want to be kind, nice, and loving? Or are we nice, kind, and loving because we're hoping that maybe we'll get something out of that relationship or that person, maybe acceptance, maybe value, whatever the case is. Here's the thing, is it's really difficult for you and me to look at somebody else's heart and to know what their motives are. And it's even more difficult to know what our own motives are. <laughs> because we like we like to lie to ourselves. We deceive ourselves, thinking that, yeah, I'm doing this for the right reasons. Only God really knows what's in our hearts. That's why I think it's why Jesus was so emphatic about judging. How do you know? How, you can't really know someone's heart and what their motive is, whether they're doing something right or doing something wrong. We just don't know what's going on inside. 
Jesus had to deal with this throughout his ministry. But there's a story that stands out. You can find it in a couple of Gospels. We're going to stay in Matthew since we're in Matthew. I invite you to go to Matthew chapter 15. The disciples are being accused of being defiled because they didn't participate in the hand-washing ceremony before they eat. So here's what happens. Here's the story in Matthew chapter 15, starting in verse 1. The Bible says, Then the Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? Whew! Mercy! (laughs) He goes on to talk about this kind of loophole in the honor your father and mother uh, command. And, and we're not going to go too deep into that because I want us to really focus in on, on after that what Jesus brings in. I mean, he, he basically calls them out. He said, you're, you're picking on this and I'm going to go after this. But this is what he says in verse 10. He called the people to him and said to them, hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. And then the disciples came and said to him, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? And he answered, every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, well, explain the parable to us. And he said, are you still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. Now, in another gospel, I mean, the people want to talk about food and all this stuff. That's not, what, that's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is really saying, and he's really going biology, right? I mean, you eat something, it goes to your stomach, and it's expelled. Jesus talked about poop. And what he was trying to explain here and trying to say is, you, whatever you put into your mouth is going to pass out of your body, and that in and of itself is not what's going to defile you. He starts talking about the purity of heart. The purity of heart. Now, so he says what comes out of the heart. And here's a whole list of things that come out of our hearts. And this is a pretty sobering list of things. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false, witness, slander. These are what defile a person. These are what defiles a person. What Jesus is saying flipped their world upside down. All their life, all our life, we have been taught it's about what you do is what matters. And what Jesus is saying is it's what is inside that really drives what you do. And so this idea that 
they were, they were going through tradition after tradition, ritual after ritual, thinking that that is what God was wanting all along. And as long as we did these things that were laid out in the scriptures, then I would at least be seen as righteous by others, and I could go about living my life and doing and going about my business. But Jesus is breaking down these things as he's walking on the earth with these people, saying that it's not about those rituals and traditions that's keeping you safe, like you think they are. It's also not about, and this is another part of of Jesus' ministry where he was breaking down barriers and walls between people. Because that was the other part of this. It wasn't about avoiding other people, other tribes, other races, other religions, because they believed that if you, if a Jew were to hang out with a Samaritan or a Gentile, you know, and Samaritans didn't want to hang out with them and Gentiles didn't want to hang out with them and they didn't want to hang out with them and if there was this, this idea of even drinking out of a cup that, was be- that belonged to them, you would be defiled. It's like one of the reasons that, you know, when Jesus was at the well with the woman and, and he said, would you give me a drink? She said, you didn't bring your own, you didn't bring your own pot. Like, you're really going to drink out of my pot? Like, you're not going to do that. And so this was such a huge area of their life and Jesus is breaking all of those things when he says that it's what's on the inside that matters. See, when we talk about the heart, we're not just talking about, you know, what beats blood, right? That gets, you know, now we have heart transplants and, and modern science has done some amazing thing. He's talking about the inner man, the subconscious. It's who you are. It's what drives you. It's what drives your decisions. It's what, what, what drives you to wake up in the morning and go do what you do. That's the heart. That's the inner man. And so Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. And then later on in his ministry, he says, and here's what comes out of the heart. <laughs> How in the world does this work? How is it that we can have all these, Jesus says this is what comes out of the heart. And then he says, blessed are those who has a pure heart. How does it work? Jesus. That's how it works. There's one thing that you and I cannot do on our own, and that is to change our own hearts. We don't have that kind of power. And we can change habits. We can change behaviors. We can change what we believe. We can, we can choose different things, but changing the heart, that's something really that only God can do. It's why, it's why David, when he's caught up into his, li- his lies and his, his adultery and all the different things, when he says, created me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me, he knew that it was only God that could totally transform his life in the way that he was living for himself and doing all these different things. It's why we see in Ezekiel, one of my favorite promises in Scripture, Ezekiel 36, 26, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh 
and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. It is God that makes the difference. It's Christ that makes the difference. And there's one more scripture I want to share with you because I think, I think Paul hits it pretty strong. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we're looking at verse, uh, starting at verse 14. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 14 says, for the love of Christ controls us. Sometimes it says compels us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, We regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from who? It's from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God, are reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We might become the righteousness of God. How so? Because Jesus lives in us and has made us a new creation. Jesus gives us a new heart, a new inner man, a new subconscious. It means Jesus gives us new desires, new dreams, new motivations. He gives us a pure Heart, no ulterior motives, a heart without selfishness, a heart without pride, a heart without uh, trying to see what's in it for me, a heart that is single focused on serving God, period. A pure heart, a pure heart that says, God, I just want to do what you want me to do. And I don't care what other people think. I don't care what other people do. I'm going to do what you've called me to do because I love you because you first loved me. A pure heart. A single-minded, focused heart on serving God. Church family, I've got to say this. Stop believing the lie that sin still has power over you. Stop believing that lie. Sin does not have power over you. You used to be a slave to sin. You used to be a slave to sin, but Paul tells us that we are a slave to righteousness. And I know we don't really like that, the whole reference of slave. He's using that in his context, but think about this. 
Sin used to have power over you. But what is now your power? The righteousness of Jesus Christ. You walking around saying, oh, the devil's got me again. I got this sin. I just can't. You know. Or you can walk around going, praise be to God who gives me the victory in Jesus Christ. Amen. We can live a life of defeat or we can live a life of victory. We can go around living a life of worry and concern and all these things or we can live a life knowing that Jesus has done what he needed to do to break us free from the power that sin once had on us. It doesn't mean that temptations won't come. It doesn't mean that selfishness won't rise up again at times. It doesn't mean that you can't sin. But this idea that sin has this grip or this power or this chain or this strength on you, what did Jesus die for then? He died to break that, to destroy it. Sure, Satan is prowled around like a roaring lion, but you know what? He's like this puny little cat that really doesn't have a lot of power. And he can deceive, and he can, he can that's really all he can do is try to deceive. But Jesus has overcome all of those things. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life that if you have Jesus and then you have the truth, then it defeats the deceit. Let's break out of this lie, my friends. Do we be vigilant? Of course. Sober-minded? Yes. We follow what Paul says. We have, but, and, and, but we have to understand that Satan doesn't have the power that we want to give him for some reason. The enemy's really after me. Or is it that we live in a world that we're aware that there's a battle between good and evil? And when bad things do happen, we know that they're doing everything he can. But I have Jesus. I have Jesus. And if God, if, if, if God is with us and for us, then what can stand against us? Over and over and over, my church family, please let us recognize what Jesus has done and celebrate that victory every day. You got a habit that you want to break? You got something that's going on in your life that you just can't seem to, to get over it? I'd ask this. Not, I wouldn't go down the road of saying, you know, well, the devil has this chain or whatever. I'd say, what lie have you been believing that is causing you to keep doing what you're doing? Because that's really what it is. This is going to give me happiness. This is, going to give, this is going to help me feel better. This is going to help me to be in control. This is going to, this is, whatever lie that we've told ourselves, I'm not good enough, I'm not valued enough, God doesn't love me enough, whatever the case is, and we combat that with truth. What does Jesus say? What does God's word say? What does he have to say about this? I find my value in God as being a child of the true king. That This isn't going to make me happy. Only Jesus gives me the true joy of all joy. Because the Bible tells me that blessed are those 
right? A true joy that, that surpasses everything. I'm anxious over here and I want to turn to something worldly to, 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 to rule over that anxiety or to help, but only Jesus gives me peace that surpasses all understanding. Look at it that way and say, Lord, thank you for giving me the victory over this. And I guarantee you, because this is just the promise of Jesus, that when we put our eyes on him, he takes out the old and gives us the new. It's amazing. I've seen it happen time and time and time again. Give God the victory in your life. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who are single-mindedly focused on serving him without any ulterior motives. Blessed are the pure in heart that have no selfishness, no pride in there, and that only comes by Christ living within. But here's the thing. It says that they shall see God. And, and we look at this and, and immediately say, well, the only time we're gonna see God is when he comes again, and so this must be a future tense beatitude and while absolutely all the beatitudes have a future tense to them there's promises for the future but all the beatitudes there's something for the here and now every single one of them those who feel their spiritual need enter the kingdom of heaven now those who mourn for sin are comforted now those who are meek receive their title to the new earth now. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness of Jesus are filled now. Those who are merciful obtain mercy now. And the pure in heart will see God now. You see, I believe that when we take selfishness and allow God to take it and turn us selfless and we're focused in on just serving God with all of our hearts, I believe that we see God as God really is. Not a God who's vindictive or out to get revenge or makes decisions on a whim or randomly, but we see a God of love we see a father longing after his repentant son to embrace. We see a God full of mercy and compassion and forgiveness. And we see it now. We see his goodness. We see him drawing the hearts of men and women. We see him work all things together for good. We see him heal the brokenhearted and set captives free. We see him set addicts free from, from bondage. We see him save our children. We see him save our parents. We see him even save ourselves from self-destruction. We see him. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who have the Holy Spirit, 
who gives us pure motives and a single purpose to serve our God. Blessed are those who accept Jesus as their righteousness so that he can rid us of all selfishness and pride to keep our motives pure. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God now. And when we see God now and who he is and his true character and who he really is, how good he is, how merciful he is, how compassionate he is, it makes us want to follow him even more. It makes us want to drop everything, drop our nets, and go. It makes us want to leave a booth and go. It makes us want to leave a life that we've lived for ourselves and go and live for him. It's a transformation that's only transformed by him. Would you make a decision this morning to allow God to come into your heart again or maybe for the first time for the Holy Spirit to take a grip of your life and your heart and lead you on a path, on a journey that when you look back, you will be praising and singing his praises. That's what I believe what has happened and what is happening in the lives of four individuals today. That God has gotten a grip on their hearts and is leading them to want to single-minded, focused in on what God wants them to do in their life. And we have individuals who are rededicating their lives after years of wanting to, wanting to do their own thing. Or we have people who are choosing to start their life with Christ young and are ready to surrender their life to him today. So I'd like to introduce you to a few of my friends that you probably have seen around, you probably know. I want to invite up uh, Miss Nina, Mr. David, Mr. Jared, and Miss Zoe. You would join me on stage, please. Can't you just see the love of God radiating out of these individuals. There's something special. There's something special about a heart that has been drawn. And they say, yes, Lord, here I am, whatever you have in store for me. David comes to us from Coal Strip, Montana. Two hours? Two hours. Amen. 2.10. He's been making the journey. You know, he, he's, he's, been in, he's been in the church for uh, quite a while in his life. Has a lot of life experiences in and, and different, uh, different areas of, of life and churches and getting to know people and cultures and uh, just really uh, what God has blessed you with is, is amazing. And today he says, I want to rededicate. He found us online. 
listening to sermons and podcasts and things like that. And he said, hey, I love that I, even though I live two and a half hours away, I can always tune in and listen and be a part of a community from afar. So he'll be here as much as he can. And when gas is too expensive, he'll be listening online. Amen. Miss Nina has been with us a little over a year, maybe a year and a half. A little longer than that? About a year, yeah. Okay. Nina sits right around here. She doesn't want to miss a thing. Her heart is, worships her Lord and Savior purely because God puts that there. She, is, she soaks it up. And if you've ever had a chance to get to know Nina or talk to her, you know uh, that God has something very special in store for her life. And I look forward to seeing what that is. And then you've got these two kids. <laughs> Brother and sister. Amen. Jared, the tall one. Jared attended our prophecy seminar with his parents. Uh, Loris and Thomas. And uh, he said he was, as he was listening, there were just things that were clicking. And, you know, when one thing clicks, it leads to another click. And things begin to make a little bit more sense. And begin to really start thinking about things that he hadn't really thought about as, as a teen. And as he's continued to study and he's learning from his parents and also from God's word, and we've spent little bit of time together we have a lot more time to spend together he says I don't want I don't want to wait any longer I want to I want to follow Jesus and so he's making that decision today as well and you have Zoe who has been in our school all year our tried and true only sixth grader who's been rocking it I will tell you this as I've gotten to know Zoe there's one thing this girl loves, loves, loves Jesus. Anything that has to do with God, she's all about it. She soaks it up. You give her a guide, she's going to read it. You give her a Bible study, she's going to do it. She just, anything that has to do with God, she's all about it. And what a special occasion to be able to be baptized with Big Brother as they go through this journey together. I am, I'm proud of you, but I'm only proud of you because of what God has done in your life. We recognize that decisions that we make like this are because he's continued to knock on our hearts. And he's given us the strength, well, really the heart to even hear the knock and the strength to get up off the couch and open the door Amen. and allow him to come in. And so this is, a, this is a big day because I know it's a cliche thing, but today really is the first day of the rest of your life. It's a day to celebrate and, and honor God with. So I have a few things for you. Nina, I have a, a baptismal certificate for you and a Steps to Christ. If it's been a while since you've read it, read it again. It's such a great book about just following Jesus. David, I have the same thing for you. Steps to Christ in your baptismal certificate. Jared, I have a baptism certificate, and I gave Jared his gift yesterday 
uh, as we continue to study, and I also gave Zoe her gift yesterday as we continue to study as well, but uh, wanted to give those baptismal certificates. And I believe we have some roses for you, but I don't see them. So it may be in the back, we'll get them for you. It's just, a, uh, not for the guys, sorry, just for the girls, <laughs> to remind you of God's love in this day. I'd like to have a word of prayer over you, and then we're gonna go get ready. You guys are gonna sing a song uh, and prepare your hearts uh, to, be, to witness something so great. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I wanna thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ. This whole congregation, as each one, I believe we all play a role in accepting and loving and taking care of the individuals that you lead into our lives. And so, Lord, I want to pray and, and thank you for David and Nina and Jared and Zoe. The decision that they are making today is simply a response to the call that you've given to them. You've been calling them. You've been drawing them. And they are saying, here we are, Lord. Whatever you have in store for me, I want to do it. A single focus, a pure heart. So may they see you working. May they see you work in the times that it doesn't make sense, in the times of, of, of darkness and trials, in the times of victory and mountaintop experiences. When things are going well, may they see that, that you are leading the way and when things are not going well, that you're still leading the way because you never leave us and never forsake us. I pray a hedge of protection around them. Lord, you have defeated Satan and, and the power of sin. But we also know we live in a world where he is still trying his very best to pull in anyone else he can grab. So we ask for a hedge of protection around them that your guardian angels would be fighting off anything and everything that's gonna come after them and that you will reign victorious in their life. We look forward to the day, Lord, when we all get to see you break through those clouds and take us home. Until that day, Lord, we pray for your spirit to lead us and to guide us. Give us wisdom and discernment to know what's right and the difference between right and wrong, to know your will and to give us the desire and the strength to do it. Thank you, Father, for your goodness, and your mercy, your kindness, and your patience with us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As people making this decision, they've, they've proclaimed, they are proclaiming in front of all of you today, I'm not, I'm not going back to the way that things were. I'm a new creation. I'm going to follow Jesus with all of my heart. David, as you have accepted Jesus many years ago, every day is a new day with him. Absolutely. And what an exciting time to say, Lord, I know you're not done with me and I'm not done with you. Let's do this again. Amen. How exciting. Doesn't so, get more exciting than that. That's right. So David, it is an honor and a privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
for the forgiveness of all of your sins and for a brand new life in Jesus, in Jesus' name. Miss Nina, we're going to turn this way. It's the only way I know how to do it. Okay. You, me- you mess me up and you're not coming <laughs> back up. All right. <laughs> Nina, it, has been an, uh, it really has been a pleasure to get to know you over the last year and to see the excitement on your face every time God reveals something new in your life of who you are, what he has in store for you, what's next. And a God that always says, I'm right here and I'm not going anywhere. And never lets you go. So Nina, what a special day this is. A reminder that God never, ever stops drawing us back to him. Nina, it is an honor to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of all of your sins and for a brand new life in Jesus, in Jesus' name. name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord is right. All right, Mr. Jared. I don't know what it is about a young man that wants to give his heart to the Lord excites me so much. Because I know, I know what the world and high school and all that stuff will try to do and try to pull us in every which direction and to say, no. I want to follow God. Shows a strong individual. And in that strength, there will be times where you think you've got it and you don't. But God does. Always remember that yes, you can do all things through him. He's going to help you through every challenge, every situation. He's going to be there. He's going to guide you. He's going to direct you. He will rescue you but he promises this, that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He's with you. So my friend, Jared, it is great honor to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of all of your sins and for a brand new life in Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Zoe, it has been so great to see you at school in the mornings and the afternoons and just seeing how much you enjoy learning about Jesus and what he has in store for you. And uh, like I said earlier, it's just, you said if, if it's about God, I'm, I, I just, I want it. Everything about him. I'll read anything. I'll, I'll, I'll do anything he calls me to do using your talents and your abilities and all those things. I know that some would look Zoe, and they would say, well, she's young. And I say, praise the Lord. Why not start now? Start today. Zoe, it is an honor to baptize you this morning in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of all of your sins and for a brand new life in Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You too have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, my church family. 
Now, there may be some of you here today that you see this and you're hearing things and you're saying, Lord, I, I hear you and I want to follow you. And maybe that's happening in your heart today. And you look at these baptisms and you say, I want that. You feel that God's call in your life to do this. I want to make an invitation to you. Our next baptism will be the first Sabbath in June. We are already planning to fill this tank. And in faith, we believe that God is going to draw you or those around us in our community, whatever, to grow his kingdom. If you would like to be a part of that baptism in June, and you'd like to start studies or you want to start talking, please, I invite you to, to reach out. You can, there's contact information in the bulletin, but uh, I'd love to be able to talk to you about that next step in your walk with Jesus. Let me pray for you, please. Father in heaven, thank you for my, for my friends, our brothers and sisters. Thank you for David and Nina and Jared and Zoe and these decisions that have been sealed. And Lord, I just, I know that there's more. I know there's more who have been contemplating, who have been thinking, who have been praying and wrestling. Lord, may we no longer tarry. (laughs) May we no longer wait. But may we say yes to you now. You reveal yourself to us now. You show your love and your forgiveness and your mercy now. May we stop putting it off any longer and say, I choose to follow you now. So Lord, whoever is seeing this, hearing this, witnessing this, continue to grow that seed and to draw that heart to know that this is the best decision we could, any of us could ever make. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.